Hello, my brothers and sisters out there, witches, warlocks, wizards, if you, uh, shamans, if you're out there and, uh, you're like me, you're, uh, you seek out knowledge every day. You have visions of unknown sources that you correlate, you relate to, and you try to understand. Well, today... It's been a while since I've been back on my podcast, and uh, I decided I would explain why. And I would, from now on, I'm going to do episodes based around this knowledge that I am gaining and share it with those out there who who can use it. It is going to be spells from my own Book of Shadows, spells from other books that I have accumulated over time, and for a little while uh, pages out of the Damon Terra it talks about demons and their hierarchy in hell and uh, different uh, annotations of them and uh, the divination behind them with the tarot cards that have been made for them I'm going to do different segments on it starting with this one this in this segment I'm going to read a vision that I, I wrote it I had a dream about four months back uh, in my dream I was I was uh, joined by the goddess and the goddess in the dream told me of what my nieces and my nephews were in my child my own children were to come see it's strange that me and my brothers and sisters we all had seven daughters so far and three sons before the third son my son was born i didn't even know his mother was pregnant when i wrote this i found out the following month and he was due at the end of that month because we hadn't been in contact with each other we had split up and i didn't even know he was to be born it was it was very strange but um i'm going to read what i wrote and it says, my vision of my daughter and my nieces and my nephews and my children. Uh, 2.14.21 is when I wrote this. My vision came to me in the form of a dream. I am documenting this for any of you that choose to walk the path that is destined for you. I'm, I'm talking to my nephews and nieces in this, in this part where I wrote it. Because this is the very beginning of the Book of Shadows that I have been making for them destined for you in my dream the goddess mother earth and moon they are all one as well as any powerful female deity throughout history in every religion she can appear as the maiden the mother or the crone she's always appears to me as the maiden a young beautiful woman with one eye greenish brown and the other bluish white she is wearing a long white dress no shoes with long brown hair in my dream she appeared in front of me in between us was a perceived object and altar to help glimpse past and future events. It's a stone altar with a bowl shaped at the bottom with clear water in it. In my dream, she explained to me that there was a reason me and my siblings gave life to seven daughters and two sons and one boy yet to be born. Now, my son was born the following month and I had no idea that she was even pregnant, which is strange. The reasons are destined, they are destined to be protectors to defend without gifts, defend those without gifts. 
from darkness and to be a powerful coven for many years I have studied alone and faced down darkness of all kinds from sabbats, shades, dark spirits, ghosts, poltergeists, demons including evil fairies and other beings as well as dark witches and warlocks I am no one to guide I had no one to guide me just the feeling I am different and the abilities I experienced over my life my abilities changed and grew and I sought out knowledge of what I was see I knew my grandfather had abilities but he was a medicine man he was a full-blooded Cherokee on my dad's side later I learned magic was woven deeply on my mother's side uh, your grandma my mother power was either suppressed caused of trauma or she had her abilities binded to protect her when she was in her 50s her gifts all awoke and this recently happened about a year ago and it hit her at once and at this time she was alone and it was all kind it was just traumatic for her all kinds of entities were like gathering towards her sort of like how it works with the young psychic uh, young mediums when they start to form their power and they start to grow spirits will be attracted to them and so are other entities this happened with my mother she was starting to see ghosts and where she was older and her powers had been binded it all like happened at one time it was a strange experience for her and she couldn't explain none of it and she thought she was going mad uh, we're attracted to all kinds of entities towards her freaking her out unlike me and Hopefully, my my, da my daughter and my son and my nieces and nephews. Uh, hope their abilities will evolve over time. From very young, I saw ghosts, spirits, entities of emotion, like pure pure blackness of of just pain and suffering. There, there's all kinds of uh, spiritual entities. See, not all hauntings are caused by just ghosts from people who've passed on. Some hauntings are caused by a pent up of a, a, like a clutter of emotion that becomes a sentient entity and it's like a poltergeist in a way or a poltergeist forms a poltergeist has been scientifically proven the experiences that a poltergeist puts up can be generated by young girls when they're going through the puberty stage when they're first getting their period and they're going through the development of uh, puberty a part of their brain actually sends out a signal that can actually cause poltergeist activity. Uh, a parapsychologist proved that. Okay, to continue on. Uh, where was I at? Entities of emotion and demons. As a small child, I learned many ways to communicate and to protect myself and to banish them using my gifts. As I grew, my powers changed and grew as well, allowing me to gain empath empathy, the empathic abilities, and to feel energy everywhere uh, and manipulate it. I feel it's like static electricity, but it's in the air. It's everywhere. And each, each, uh, each thing on the planet puts off a different type of energy like that, and I'm, I'm able to feel it and pretty much generate it and create it and use it uh, energy everywhere and I can manipulate the energy I that's how I do spells I grab a hold of something with my own energy and I mix it together and to 
perform it. I'm trying to flip the, I got a dent in my page. I'm trying to fix it so I can read the rest of it. It says, I learned of my spirit guides and to manipulate lost my page and to manipulate uh, different entities I continue on I've had the ability of foresight and knowing when something had bad or dangerous was coming since I was about four my first vision I had I had a vision of it well it was the only vision I've ever had that was so powerful that it, it was like I was hearing a voice talk outside of my body and it might have been and I just didn't realize it at the time, but it was like the whole world went quiet. And to me, I thought it was a newscaster on the television, but now that I think back, it wasn't. But I was sitting there playing with my toys, and I, I was in front of our TV in the living room, and I could have swore that the newsman said that a 4.2 earthquake was going to hit at 2 o'clock in the morning, just like that. And I looked where I slept, which was on the couch usually because we lived in a small house. And there, I had three older, I had two older siblings and a younger sister. And uh, I, I realized that there's a picture of Jesus Christ that hung above me every night. It just has always been on the wall there. And I put two and two together. If an earthquake hit, that picture would fall on me. So that night when my father went to lay me down for bed, I remembered this and I, I started panicking and I screamed at him that the uh, earthquake was gonna, a 4.2 earthquake was gonna hit at two o'clock in the morning, and that picture was gonna fight, uh, fall on me. And he said, no, no, it ain't. And he tried to coerce me to go to sleep. And I finally fell asleep when I did at 2 o'clock. Exactly. A 4.2 earthquake hit. And that, exactly. And that picture fell and cut my leg. Uh, how would I have known that? I mean, I've had other visions since then. But mostly they've been in dream state where I've visioned uh, parts of the next day or or a major event, especially a major event, something major is going to impact my life and those I love, uh, like a, a war or something, I will see like the same broadcast repeated over and over and over and over for days until the event happens. Like when 9-11 happened, I knew we were going to be hit by something, but I didn't, and it was going to be disastrous, and it was going to be in New York, but I didn't know what, and, I, and sometimes I don't even put like when to, I don't look into it, I don't try to investigate it, I just... There's nothing I can do. And I've found that if I, the more I talked about it, if they're bad, the less likely chance that it would have happened. But if I kept it to myself, it was going to happen. And I believe that's just because uh, ideas can change time. By me telling somebody, just by ha perhaps by saying it creates a butterfly effect and the time changes. Uh, that's just a theory. I don't know. But it seems to have worked a few times. Sometimes it don't. And I recently have not had a dream of something major or disastrous happen since that building collapsed in Florida and killing those people. I had that dream two days prior. I woke up in the middle of the night. And it was like I was—I felt like I was still half asleep. You know how you like wake up and you go back to sleep, wake up, and go back to sleep. I, I, when I woke up, like I felt like that, and that I saw it on the TV playing. Because when I woke up that morning, I asked my father, "Did it happen?" Because uh, he was watching TV when I, where I was sleeping and uh, he said no and then that very same day later that day or the next day I saw it on the news 
it was it was messed up but and it had, and according to the news it had just happened I said I've had the word I'm gonna go on now I learned uh, our auras our own auras our force fields around us pretty much our bodies produced by the electrical pulses our minds generate by EMF that we generate within us that's what creates the aura because our brains generate 100,000 volts of electricity every day all day which creates a magnetic field around all of us magic comes from our mind and soul manipulating the force field and it and it the other energies that are around us it took me many years to learn this it wasn't until I was 25 where I learned to manipulate the magnetic field my, my own aura and learning uh, okay by reading these auras I've learned to read people's auras too because I can see the other people's auras and uh, by reading their auras I can see what kind of intents they have what their what kind of thoughts they're thinking right then or what decisions making they're going to make or if they're upset or if they're happy there's many ways to read it it's like watching ripples on water each ripple represents something different and each person's aura represents a different person's personality. That's just because their brain waves will function on that signal. Yeah. And I can tell if a person's evil or good a lot of the times by their aura. In nature. I mean, just naturally good or evil. Before this, I always used my soul and my counter soul. Because I have a demon in me. A lot of people, uh, I've not heard many talk about one woman I've ever met who was like me. When I was a baby, within my mother's womb, her family were had, were a dark coven, I guess. I really don't understand how it all played out, but they put a demon in me. They infused my soul with it. The demon, he, I've learned over time here like throughout my life and stuff I found out he was in me when I was 14 he revealed himself and as I've grown over time using magic and learning all I could I've put bindings on him I have a tattoo that's actually on me around my wrist it's a binding tattoo that keeps his power from surpassing my own like it keeps us equal as I grow he grows as he grows and he gains more power back it keeps him sort of submissive and under control because I could I was at one point losing control of him and he was taking over when he takes over it's a completely different personality completely different person darker energy and different magic it's like having two people living in this one vessel uh, it's like being schizophrenic too at times but he I don't normally hear him he don't he don't talk to me or anything like that and I only activate him when I need him <clears throat> or I draw on his power if I need be it's like having two energy sources or two, um, two, uh, what the heck is it called? Chakra. It's, it's pretty weird. And it's, I was, I finally have like took the, uh, I wanted to learn more about him and shit. But he wasn't a demon that was cast out of heaven because he fought against God. He was a demon that <clears throat> did not want to inflict harm upon his brothers and sisters so he st stood back and did not fight on either side and because of that he was cast out of heaven
and created into a demon. Uh, his name is Tarak. He's in the Encyclopedia of Demons. It's one of the only sources I've ever found about him. And uh, a few other things i found about him. <clears throat> but it allows me to manipulate white magic and dark magic. I use my soul for white magic and my him for the dark. And a lot of times I confuse the two into gray. What I call gray magic. I only do magic in any form. Dark or good. Or, or white. Black or white. Or dark or good. To help people. And most time when dark magic is required. It's to seal away a demon or a dark entity. Something of evil. I've encountered so many different things in my life. That they were like. It's like mag uh, two magnets. How the polarity is pulled to each other. Or repelled. It sort of works like that, where we're, we're attracted to each other by fate, I guess. And then when we interact with one another, the the negative effect, the repelling of it, it takes place. And it's either they destroy me or I destroy them, or I send them away or send them back to where they're supposed to be. But it's always been my whole life. Every time I've come in contact with anything like this was to help someone. And I do have that, I could say, that I've helped people. But I've always wanted to know why. Why me? Why was I chosen? Why was I picked? And why my children? Why my nieces and nephews? Why them now, you know? Are there others out there? I know there's other practitioners of magic, but have there been others like this that experienced these same things? But that's part of that. Uh, it's, there's more to it that I've wrote down here, but I'm kind of running out of time, and I didn't want to... Uh, take too much time on some dumb stuff but uh like i go on in the first chapter of my book of shadows and i list with everything that god has told me about each one of my nieces and nephews and about my son who i hadn't yet to even know was conceived and uh tell them what how how and why i wrote this book why i use this book of shadows why I was leaving this to them when things, if things were ever happened to me. Um, I'm going to continue on here in a little bit. We'll be back. Thank you for listening, and uh, I really appreciate it. I hope that if you can relate to what I have said on here, please write me. Send me a message through Anchor. Um, I'm, I got a Gmail. You can write me at my Gmail, which is Rufus Harper. 89 all lowercase at gmail.com and uh, I help anybody I mean uh, I am I am certified as a, parasy a parapsychologist I have degrees in it I was trained by an exorcist to do exorcisms in the Catholic fashion but as well as I've adapted it into my own Wiccan fashion where I can't really I can expel the demon if I find out his name, but even without expelling the demon, I could banish him, or I could seal him inside an an object and destroy the object over time, or or bury it away. Um, I just want to be guidance. I hope I bring guidance, and I hope throughout this that I can share knowledge with, and that will help somebody. Thank you. We'll be back. Hello everybody, welcome back. Uh, in this part of the episode, I am going to 
share some spells with people, um, particularly starting out with binding spells. I hope that if you are a practitioner of magic or Wicca or anything correlating or you just want to experiment but you are not sure, you know, these are spells that I have actually used and done that have worked for me. Um, I have, I was, I'm building this book of shadows, like I said in the part, first part of this episode, for my little girl and for my nieces and nephews and for my own son. And uh, for one day, if they ever actually seek out the knowledge, I mean, I don't impart my knowledge upon them as children. I don't even tell them what my religion is. My mother never told me of her family and stuff. My, I, until I grew up, I and I looked for it myself. I didn't know about it, and I think that's how I've came to this uh, this level in many ways by proceeding by looking for answers, and that's what I want for them to experience. If they have abilities, one day they'll come to me, and when they come to me, this book will be ready. But the first spell I'm going to tell you about is called. It's a binding spell to combat darkness. It's a, all, a, a piece of light cardboard is one of the things, the first thing you'll need uh, for a writing or a drawing utensil, a black yarn, a fireplace or a bonfire, cauldron or other safe place to burn the cardboard. Cast a strong protective circle around yourself. And all participants, before you begin, take a piece of lightweight cardboard and draw images and write words on it to represent the evils that you wish to bind. For example, draw a man with an X crossing out his heart to show it is closed. Write words like greed, irresponsibility, disrespect, etc. Then erupt and crumple the cardboard up into a loose ball. Take a piece of black yarn and wind it around the cardboard 21 times. With each time you loop the string around the cardboard, say one line of the following chant. With the thread of the crimes of your own design, I bind your evil three times, seven times. I bind you from behind. I bind you from that you'll hurt my people never ever more. I bind you from the left. I bind you from the right. I bind you by day and I bind you by night. I bind you from below. I bind you from above that you may ever know the laws of life and love. I bind you with your own good conscience within and so let this magic unfold and spin then tie off the end of the yarn with three sturdy knots to seal the spell when done with this crackling fire when done with this i'm sorry burn the wrapped images and words in a loud strong crackling fire cast these words until it's thoroughly burnt goddess of darkest night send our troubles all to flight Burn them in thy sacred fires, and replace them with our heart's desires. Once the image is burned, and all negativity removed, do a positive visualization to replace it. For example, visualize people laughing, and dancing, and rainbows, just anything that makes you happy. Uh, 
take the business card or whoever's. Uh, this one is a quick binding spell. It says, these are quick three quick binding spells. It says take the business card of whoever is bothering you and use push pins to bind it to a cork, uh, like a cork board or wall at work. Write the problem or name of person causing the problem on a piece of paper and seal it in an envelope. Okay, another one is write the name of the problem or person causing the problem on a piece of paper, put it in a little plastic bag with some water and throw it throw it in the freezer. And here's a spell to bind a person. Take a artifact or picture of the person and bind it with tape while saying the person's name. I bind you from doing harm to others. Well, say, okay, I'll make this name up, Patrick. I bind you from doing harm to others or harm to yourself. And repeat that three times while binding the picture or the artifact. To bind a spell, always bind your spells, no matter what. Here are three simple chants to do so. One, the first one, for the greater good of all and with harm to none, this spell is bound and will not be undone. By the power of three times three, as I will it, so mote it be. Another one is, by keramic power number three, this spell tied and knotted be, so that it, its contents stay together and can harm human, beast, or weather. And the third tight way is, now the time of the three times three, this spell I bound, so mote it be. You always have to say it three times and say it at the end of your spell so it binds it together. Uh, here's an, uh, This one is a cursed removal spell to reverse spells cast with candle magic. The way you do it is light two black candles and chant in the name of the gods and goddesses and all ye, ye spirits in the name of Cronus and the light and the dark and the gods of the netherworld and whose whose over shall be casting a curse against me who let them suffer their own curse let these candles be their candles this burning be their burning this curse be their curse let the pain they have caused me and mine fall upon themselves do this spell for five consecutive nights as close to midnight as possible and each night chant the spell until the candles are spent it's a lot of work to break a curse but it works to break a spell you've cast purpose to undo a spell best time to perform it would be after midnight or any night directions is to face um, east And to open your circle, you'd want to face east. Best moon phase to use is the waning moon. The best incense to burn would have been benzoin. benzoin. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize if I'm not. Benzoin, B-E-N-T-O-I-N. The best herb is angelica. Uh, another the, uh, oil to use is anointed candles or with rosemary oil. And the best colors for this magic it would be to use white candles, as many as you like, for real. Supplies needed. One bead from a necklace you own. Preferably a pearl, a fox, or real. Fake, fake or real, I mean. 
it could be any kind of bead, but they prefer pearl for the spell. I, I used a little plastic bead. Some string for tying. The incantation for the spell is, I cast a spell asking whatever goddess or type of spell it was to, um, that's where you insert it. Say you put a curse. I say I put a curse on I cast a spell asking for the curse. I now ask for sort type of spell. I cast a spell asking for the curse I put to to be removed. I now ask the favor of having the spell removed. I understand to take back a spell means giving up something of my own. To show my spirit is true and my intentions are good to give this pearl bead from a necklace I own. I transfer the spell into it. Uh, and you said into the bead or pearl. And remember the spell dormant. R- remind, remain the spell dormant. Sorry about that. I read it wrong just now. No harm may come from the con- cancellation of the spell. No further power shall it have. This is my will, so mote it be. Have the pearl bead, whatever, in the black cloth, and I'll put place it into a black cloth. Add your angelica herbs, tie the cloth up right up tightly with the string, wrapping the pearl and bead in. Here's a purification spell to break a curse. Hint, this is a heavy-duty purification spell. On the night after the full moon and just before bed, light 13 candles, preferably white. Fill the tub up with hot water, as hot as you can stand to sit in. Add one cup of sea salt, one tablespoon sage, one tablespoon lavender, and one tablespoon chamomile. Turn off the water and let the bath steep in the herbs. Kneel or sit in front of the tub in the nude and repeat this incantation. What was done was done. Be it now undone by the light of the full moon's wane. Cleanse my soul of taint and stain. Let now in hurtful my hurtful spell reverse and lift from me this vicious curse. As I enter now the sacred space, return my spirit to its grace. Enter the bath and let the water cleanse away the effects of the curse. Use your hands to gather up the water and pour it three times over your head. Each time you do repeat, accept my apologies for what was done. Dispense my spell with the morning sun. Remain in the bath until the water cools. Drain the tub and rinse off. Sniff the, snuff the candles out and go to sleep. By dawn, the curse will be broken and you will once again find the, that feeling of blessedness that you lost. Another one to break a spell, a curse, I mean. You need a cleansing incense with a benzoin or dragon's blood. Black candle to represent the negativity. White candle for positivity. A satchel satchel, uh, containing equal parts of St. John's wort. Lavender, rose, bay, verbena, lemon, and an athame. Dagger or knife. Uh, but it has to be infused with energy. A bowl of water, a bowl of salt, one glass uh, or china plate. Light the incense and candles. Place them on your altar, black on left, white on right. Pass the satchel through the incense smoke and put it 
on one side. Hold the lemon in both hands. Allow the lemon to signify the negativity. Think of all the negative things that have happened to you or around you and push them into the lemon, particularly if you suspect they are associated with the curse. Put the lemon on the plate. Dip your knife or anthame in the water, then slice the lemon into three pieces. Touch each piece of lemon with the tip of the anthame. As you do this, repeat the following three times. Now set me free. Visualize the lemon drawing the negativity away from you and into yourself. As you do this, out of you and into itself, not yourself. As you do this, repeat, as sour as this lemon, be, chi be charged and cut into pieces three. With salt and water, I am free. Uncross me now, I will it be. Lemon sour, lemon sour, charged now. With power, let this lemon do its task. Its cleansing power, I do ask. As this lemon dries in air, free me from my dark despair. Uncross, uncross, I break these curse. But let not my simple spell reverse. I wish now no ill, nor wish him her pain. I wish only to be free again. Take each lemon slice and dip it in the salt, making sure it's well coated. Set the slices back on the altar and say, as it is, my will so mote it be. Leave the lemon pieces on the altar where they can dry. Once dry, the spell is completed and the lemon can be thrown away or buried. If, however, the fruit rots instead, you must repeat the spell while waiting for the fruit to dry. Keep the satchel with you at all times. It will help to protect you from the effects of the spell or spells and turn away any negativity sent in your direction. Here's a basic curse breaker. You need the target or whoever um, who may have cursed you. A tub of water large enough to submerge and wash you or they. Or, yeah, the target, which is you or the person who is cursed. A tub of water large enough to submerge you or the person. Target uh, or an, an, enough water to wash down the area of or if a location. Say if it's a place, um, you have to have enough water to wash it down. If it's a vehicle or if it's a person or an object. Best time for spell will be new moon on a Thursday, noon, midnight, down dusk, any time associated with transitions is best. Uh, it says one, fill the tub with water. Temperature should be comfortable for a long soak if the t uh, target is a living thing. Two, open and hold up the container of sea salt. Three, clear your mind and say the following words while concentrating on what they mean to you. Say them slowly, confidently, and meditatively. In the names of my ancestors, my gods and goddess, goddesses, and myself, I call upon thee, O creatures of earth, the mother and water, come forth, cleanse your name or whoever's name. Or whose curse or animal or object of all evil and alien magics and restore them 
to uh, say their name again, me, them, it, to balance and health by or wills combined to so mote it be. So mote or bless it be. Either one will work. For pour the salt in the water, use a lot. Use as much as you want. Five, keeping your mind in the calm and meditative state, submerge or wash the person, yourself, or object that's cursed slowly. If you are the target, get in the tub and simply lay back and soak. Relax, let everything slip away. Six, do this for at least ten minutes. When you are done, drain the water away down the drain and rinse it off the person yourself or object it is absolutely necessary that all of the salt water is washed away is washed out of the individual yourself or the object it is absolutely necessary that all of the salt water is washed off of the individual yourself or the object that was cursed very serious to make sure to do this seven when you are done say the following in the same way you did in step three i thank thee o creatures of earth and water in the name of myself, my God and goddesses, and my ancestors, be released to your homes, doing no harm on your way, and return to me with glad hearts when next you are summoned. By our wills, combined so mote it, so mote or blessed be. End of curse removal. Uh, this is a blessing spell. Switches. That was the last part of the curse removal parts of the uh Book of Shadows that I've so far put in, and now I'm switching over to the blessings. And this is the blessing of the Book of Shadows. Hitterkin, as the witch's word calls to all, it gulf to ford, bridge the vast realities, and it harm none. Do as ye pleased. Used to protect and defend any in need, innocent ones and family from all harms in all ways, be it spiritual, physical, or mental or emotional. Elements I call to thee, protect and guard this book from wandering eyes, prying looks, and those who carry my blood shall be able to read. Any who choose to cause evil, may the goddess and God curse them with pain and loneliness and blame. I plead for you to fill this book with thine ancient power in this right and ready hour. Guide my mind and hand as I document knowledge for those to come. I call to the powers of north above, the east below. Help me to live, to learn, to grow. Lend your strength, knowledge, power, and stability to practice the craft to protect and keep safe the ones I loved, the ones who loved me. By the love you give, <clears throat> allow me and my children to practice the craft, and with love be free. Powers of east, the wind, the sky, I not only ask you, grant power to this book, but guide and protect my children when I can't. If you agree, this book is in your debt, as well as I, your servant, soldier, and friend. Watch over these pages with thine eyes your wisdom and knowledge. May they flood these pages like the winds of a hurricane. May the knowledge be equal and power to a disaster. For these I do ask that this book be worthy of the craft. In its task, powers of south fire and power, 
and the hearth maybe our magic grow like the warmth of the warmest fire brings to a may our magic grow like the warmth of a fire brings to us in the cold to cook and feed all of thee I ask you help these shadows I leave to prove their worth when those I love are in need I beg and plead for you to infuse those who come next to read with all your healing and passion so only good comes from the work that is fashioned to protect any and all from evil darkness to bring those pure of heart into a world of light and love powers of west the water and sea I ask you grant me and those who come next to bend and overcome any obstacle in our path like the west the water and sea no rock or barrier too hard or strong over time water will defeat all may those who read be able to change if need to grow survive or overcome any danger bad luck or problems ahead to know the knowledge within this book to make no journey or danger unable to face but powers of the west the water and sea I plead and beg with the god Poseidon, Neptune, and before the titans Oceanus, or the goddess Calypso, to hear my pleas to bring the knowledge of change and growth. If granted by thee, I ask you to bless these pages with all that you know. Let it flow through me as my power grows, to bring the righteous readers to come to learn and grow and be powerful as and as one and to thieves and those who seek to destroy or use wrong and to the unschooled eye that may see make confusing words and sophistry lead them from the sacred pages if they refuse take their sight if still then state of mind only till they seek no more if they seek to cause harm lest their passage and keep them safe. They are mundane, but those who can read, build knowledge, power, and understanding. May those who seek these shadows use for good or love or to protect from harm, for free will of all and harm of none, who are good as I will it with my spirit, power, and mind. In the name of the Maiden Mother, Crone, and Son, Father, Ancestors, Goddess, and God, grant those to come as well as I. If your protection, love, knowledge, and power to help any in trouble or danger, a kind, to protect those I love, to guide the next witches and warlocks, to come, blessed be so I will it, it is now done vast knowledge of history. In this book of shadows, I've brought together a vast knowledge of history with types of spells of all kinds, stones, crystals, and their purposes, ruins of power, breath, to power to breathe, life, and to protect the spells, demons, and other evil who may challenge or run into 
to bind and punt vanish those who seek to hurt or betray. God is that big for knowledge to pass to protect those I love from the darkness to come. That is uh, all for this segment. Uh, that was the the blessing spell to this book of shadows and other spells. I will be right back with more. Welcome back uh, for the final part of this uh, podcast. I want to read a little bit out of the Damon Tarot card book that I got. Uh, I've been dwelling in the Damon Tarot. I thought they would be pretty interesting. Uh, it talks about each demon in hell in the hierarchy. And uh, this was created by... First, it was written, the dictionary, or something like that, of David DeClancy, I believe it was what it's called. Here, I'll read it out of here, real quick. Ah, shit. It says, When the demonologist, Jacques Auguste, summoned Colin DeClancy, first published the Dictionary Inferna, Infernal, Infernal Dictionary is what that means. In France in 1818, the text reflected many of his free thought sensibilities. The dictionary was filled with entries about magic and the occult to educate and entertain readers, but it also warned against the dangers of making decisions based on superstitious beliefs and prejudice instead of logic and reason. Then in the 1830s, Colin de Plancy converted to Catholicism, and he set about revising and expanding many of the entries in accordance with the beliefs of the Roman Catholic Church. The sixth edition of the Dictionary, published in 1863, is a very different book from the original. In short, many of the demons listed in the Dictionary 
became just a bit more demonic and with all the negative con connotations and loss of employees. So that's a little bit about what this book, uh, what he was about, and it, there's more about it. But I figured I was go ahead and read each uh, page that's based on each demon. I'm gonna read a few of them, and, and that'll be the end of our episode. I'm gonna try to end every new podcast that I do here from now on with spell, like I have done this one, just for a little while. And I hope I say these names right. The first demon is Abigor. Its annotation is Abigor does not seem to appear by the name until by that name until 1583, when he is listed in the Sodomonarchy Demion under the title Elagor, or alias Abigor. In the Sodomonarchia or false monarchy of hell called false because of course all demons must be liars Abigor is a grand duke there are very few maps of hell so we do not know which lands or holdings Abigor may possess uh, what we do know about, according to Ware and others is that the grand duke has at his everyday command 60 legions military units of lower demons and that when summoned he appears as a handsome and capable knight on a horseback each of the demons listed in the false monarchy have some speciality or area of expertise in part of Abergor's as it is fitting his knightly appearance and his knowledge of war and strategy. But there is more to any battle than simply waving a sword around it. And Abergor's greater skill is his knowledge of how to gain the trust of loyalty and loyalty of soldiers as is true of many demons. Abigor has some knowledge of things to come and secret cat, secrets kept, which he may be willing to share. The inspiration is many of the most powerful generals in the world, good and evil, winners and losers, are remembered not only for their skill in battle, but also for their rousing speeches and the loyalty of the men and women under their command. Very few of us do battle with weapons on a daily basis, and yet we do still often need a keen strategy for skirmishes or a less violent nature. When we are not fighting alone, but it is also worth remembering that sometimes we shouldn't try to fight alone. Gaining the love and loyalty of our team may make all the difference. The divination behind it is focused on fostering loyalty and building teamwork skills. The next one... Is as Abraxas. Abraxas is a ugly little thing. It says annotations. In the Greco-Roman era, the name and image of a great god of the mine Abraxas was engraved on stones and amulets called Abraxas stones. The figure was drawn as a man with the head of a rooster and the legs of a dragon, and in his hand he held a whip or flail. The Basilidians agnostic sect believed the mystical asosophies of his name the sum of the value of the letters abraxas uh, in three is 365 so it's the sum of the days of the year which is the number of heavens and the days in a year was proof of his power against confusion and misfortune in latin transliterations of some Greek texts, the placement of the E and E in the word Abraxas are switched 
to Abraxas, which is the name we use today. Over the centuries, some demonologists began to associate the incantation Abracadabra with these words and with his name Carl Jung, a man of science with an equal interest in the occult wrote of the god. Abraxas begets truth in lying, good and evil, light and darkness in the same word and in the same act, wherefore is Abraxas terrible. It sounds like the way I explain me and my magic, having a demon, good and evil, yin and yang. He's both inspirations. When we hear the word abracadabra, some of us look for magic while others look for the sleight of hand. A talented stage, a magician tells a, an unbelievable truth with a lie of omission. You can believe that a rabbit is about to be pulled from a hat. The secret is that the hat is not an ordinary one. Divination, beware of lies of omission and hidden truths. The next one, oh, this is a hard work. Adramalek. He looks like a peacock mixed with a human, mixed with the horse. Annotation. Adramalek is in his sister, or in some his story's mother, Anamalek, were once the sun god and moon goddess of the twin cities of Sapar and Sapar Alamun. Collectively called Safarin, 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 the two cities of Sapar. Fast forward to the 17th century, and after years of obscurity, Adramalek is summoned by John Milton in Paradise Lost, along with Asamadai. He is mentioned as a vanquished and fallen angel. That is how Adramalek became a demon in the Christian traditions. Sometimes it is, it's as simple as that one moment you're a sun god and all the rumors of human sacrifices you could want, the next you're all but forgotten and next you're a demon. Forever. Or at least until someone writes another book with a new version of who you are supposed to be. Demonologists continue to add to Adromalek's legacy. Colin DePlancy research pointed to his holding the position of president of the Demon's Senate and Chancellor of Hell, but perhaps the most interesting footnote in Andromalek's resume of skills and expertise is mentioned of his position as supervisor of Satan's wardrobe. He is described as having the tail of a peacock equal for reference in his place to his place as a sun god and to his position of royal clothier if the devil does wear Prada, it's Andromalik uh, who picked it up. Inspiration. The clothes may sometimes make the man, but remember that while Amadromalik may still dress the part of a sun god, he has not been so for many centuries. Divination. Beware of judging by appearances, especially those who dress to impress and have no substance behind their style. Some of these are just idiotic, I think, in a ways, but... I guess. The next one is Agaris. Annotation. Agaris was once one of the virtues angels who kept the stars and planets spinning along the correct orbits, gave order to the heavens. Until he fell from grace, by all accounts, he is still a gentle demon who appears as kindly 
as a kindly older gentleman riding a crocodile. Where placed him as a duke in the eastern region of hell, governing 31 legions of demons. Agaris is known for being able to call runaways and military deserters home and causing enemies and other unwanted elements to flee. To assist him in finding missing persons, he carries a sparrow hawk with sharp eyes and a hunter's instincts. He also has a mastery of languages, delights in teaching those who summon him. Of course, the ability to speak to enemies and strangers in their native tongue would be a useful skill for setting people on the right path to who, wherever their home may be. It is certain that Agar's experience with redirecting planets is responsible for his other strange gift, that of making the earth dance, causing earthquakes and mudslides. Inspirations Agaris is another example of a daemon who by all accounts is not terribly demonic. There is no reference to how or why he fell from grace or whatever the reasons he kept many of his angelic gifts for order and direction. When looking for guidance, some from Agaris, perhaps it doesn't matter whether he landed in the heavens or hell, only that he knows that we should all be heading home. Divination, focus on direction and guidance, bringing allies and helpful items closer, and pushing enemies and destructive influences away. Uh, next one is Alistor. He looks like a, a depiction of mostly any demon's face, but with a man's body. Annihilation. Alistor is a demon whose name was at first a title for any being who took revenge for evil deeds. In ancient Greece, I mean, it meant avenger, uh, was used poetically in the great tragedies to describe wronged lovers, orphan children, distraught parents, even the god Zeus took the description of Alistair when he was wronged. Eventually, the concept of an Alistair began to take on a supernatural element, tales began to spread of people who had killed themselves so that in death they might become an Alistair, an avenging spirit. Demonologists, including Colin de Plancy, cite Zoroaster as the first to give Alistair a body of his own. Separate from the concept of any avenging spirit and from the first mention of Alistair, the executioner, come the seeds of the demon we see here. Alistair is called the executioner, in fact, the head executioner of hell, and the nemesis. He is fearsome, but not unfair. Perhaps the sense of justice from his earliest incarnations carried through, and he is swift to deliver the punishments passed down by the courts of hell. The inspiration. Alistair is one is on the one hand one of the more, more terrifying demons in this book. His earliest incarnations all centered in brutal, bloody vengeance. And unlike some other demons who evolved from more violent origins, his career in hell remains one of justice and execution. But it is worth noting that in many Greek tragedies, Alistair's appearance was that of an avenging angel, not a murderer, but an executioner. Divination, beware of vengeful actions. Take care not to let justice bleed into cruelty for the sake of anger. I'm going to read one more, and I believe this will be the end of this podcast. And I will bring another one next week. 
<clears throat> the next one is Alakur. The, the annotations Alakur also Alasis Alokskur. Alokur is another demon who comes to us from where's uh, the false hierarchy, is what it means. In which he is named as a great duke of hell, commanding 36 legions of demons. He, like Abagor, appears as a knight on horseback, but unlike Abagor, Alakur does not seem to be interested in the art of war or military strategy. Instead, his focus is on astronomy and the liberal arts, and he does enjoy tempting those who summon him into acts of immorality. But let's be fair, he is a demon. He should be allowed to have a bit of fun. Alakur's cat-like appearance is Lewis Breton's card. It is not character... Character. He is most often described as having his face of a lion, having the face of a lion, with glowing eyes and a roaring voice. Perhaps those animal characteristics are responsible for him. For another of his gifts, Alakur is said to be able to guide those who summon him to find good familiars. And surely many of those are the classic black cat. Hmm. Maybe. Inspiration. Pictures pictured the clutch of the large, powerful general uh, with a booming voice, bouty sense of humor, and uh, permanently rude, rude cheeks. And you're not far from the picture of Alakur. While Abagor is the sort of general those wars would could bring to mind, a chessboard in Alakur's engagements would seem to be more those of a Viking warlord and knowledge of astronomy to guide his armies and a love of arts to appreciate the treasury he conquers. And his divination is focused on liberal science including observation and charting. I hope this was educational for any who listened. Um, next week I'll bring another episode with uh, another vision or story or something at the beginning but each one will have spells mentioned in it and I will read parts of this book. Thank you. And uh, if you enjoyed it, please write me. If you need help with anything, you are trying to uh, get rid of a darkness or a spirit or you need guidance, write me at RufusHarper89 at gmail.com. Thank you. And please continue to listen. Have a good day.